conversations around wellness and weight loss can be complicated. There's the Instagram filter we all see on IG and social media, and then IRL. And between $20 smoothies and daily ice baths, everyone is doing the most to hack the health system. But there's a better way. Row. Row provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. And you can sign up from the comfort of your own home. No scheduling a doctor's appointment, commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. The Row Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Of course, medication must be paired with diet and exercise modifications in order to achieve any stated results. Medication cost is not included in the program. Patients must pay for medication separately. With Roe, average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roco slash Girls. You can sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash Girls. Sign up today. I just came back from the salon, and for the record, I went with a sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. (laughs) Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy, and that's why I love Way. Way's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time (laughs) with wet, wavy hair in which to get myself in order. And that is why I love the anti-frizz cream. It has notes of bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And it smells unbelievable. Believable. Truly, as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents, I put this in my hair and I feel great. It also genuinely pairs well with my perfume, which I appreciate. I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels heavy and looks kind of wet. And that's why I love Waze Anti-Frizz Cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair. I still look like me, just a little elevated. And P.S. I am way obsessed with Waze other bestsellers. Their leave-in conditioner, detox shampoo, my personal favorite. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E- O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code Andy for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com with promo code Andy.
And it's in honor, as I just recently discovered, of Women's History Month, also known as Again, which was my response when I heard about (laughs) it happening once again this year in March. And guys, this is like a very special... We were talking about it before we started recording. What would the honorary title of this be? And what did we come up with? It was like some sort of iteration of we support other women and also Richie Sky. Is that what we're saying? Is that the deal? I mean, I'm into it. Guys, it's Andy's Girls, episode 202-ish. I think it's 202. How could I forget? And yet here we are. And I'm so excited to be joined by an illustrious panel, including Sasha Morfa, actor and host creator of the IGTV sensation, The Bravo Breakdown. Sasha, welcome back to Andy's Girls. Thank you for having me. I think we spoke like five seconds ago on an episode, and it was amazing. It was so and fun. I loved it. Loved it. Uh, Moni Marcus, the host of the Bravo and pop culture podcast, Mixing with Moni. Hi. Moni, how are you? I'm oh, so I'm so good. <laughs> I'm just as good as I was last panel you did <laughs> that I was I on. Know. But it was so fun. I mean, it's no better place to be than a Andy's Girl panel, really. I mean, that's the thing is that you and I were on a Galentine's. Thank you mm-hmm. so much. Oh, my God. Galentine's Day episode. And I genuinely had so much fucking fun. I needed to do another panel ASAP. So I'm so you're an alum at this point. I, so mean, I love that decision. A vet. I'm into it. <laughs> Kiki Monique, also known as the talk of shame. She is the CEO of deep dives and call outs. And I think of her as the one and only queen historian of TikTok. Kiki, how are you? I am doing amazing. And I'm so glad I'm here. Oh, my God. So glad you're here, too. And of course none other than news and entertainment journalist and pop culture expert, Mr. Richie Sky, my king, as I call him, on Instagram comments all day long. (laughs) Richie, happy Women's History Month to you. Happy Women's History Month to you too. (laughs) Is that the name of it? Is it Women's History? That is, it's Mm -hmm. Women's History Mm -hmm. Month, right? Yeah. Okay. How are we all celebrating by Being not getting paid as much as yes. men? I mean, like, <laughs> yes. like... I'm celebrating by being here with you. There we go. There we go. It's like the time I was asked once, how am I going to celebrate Black History Month? I was like, I don't know. I was black last month, too. So whatever I did in January, I'm going to do this month. <laughs> Just going to carry out the trend. <laughs> I mean, I'm excited. Maybe I should celebrate it in some special way, right? Treat yourself. Yeah. I mean, listen, every day moving me (laughs) is a special treat in this world. Um, I do have to say my birthday is at the end of the month. So I have a fun, exciting little announcement for the AGs for all of us to celebrate this blessed day together. (laughs) Even though I'm getting my second vaccine shot, the day before my birthday and everyone is telling me that yeah Richie's giving me eyes right now that I'm gonna get (laughs) fucked up which is fine like there's no greater gift than me being laid out in bed the day after like moaning and groaning (laughs) and dreaming of a time when I can swipe right like close (laughs) enough like I'm excited to do it I'm excited to do absolutely nothing and maybe 
maybe feel some symptoms. Like what other, what better gift could I get from New York State? <laughs> it's true. I heard it only lasts like 24 hours. Though. Yeah. Like you'll be terrible, but it'll only last for 24 hours. Well, I have decided while my birthday is March 27th and I will be celebrating that day, everybody uh, pay attention, all the AGs listening. That is a national holiday. It is in the International Day of Sarah. But I am also rescheduling it for two weeks from that day when I will yes. be fully vaccinated and won't be changing anything major in my life because you can still get COVID and you can still pass it to other people. But I will be able to go outside at that point and mm-hmm. prance and dance and put on some shoes. Mm-hmm. You want to come to Georgia? We're Girl, we are wide open here. We love the vaccinated community in Georgia. Come on through. Come party with the Atlanta ladies. We're having a great time. I, I go mean, pick up my curbside and I go, y'all are having fun out here. I love that. That's so much fun. I just, you know, get my little thing to go and I just watch everybody else have fun. You can be part of that. How is it? I mean, how is it going where everyone is? We're talking to. So, Monty, you're in Georgia. I'm in Georgia right now. I did get the clearance to move back to D.C. Thank the Lord Jesus. So I'll be out of here very soon. Had you been had you moved out of D.C. specifically because of covid? No, I moved out here because this is where my fiance decided to do some school. So oh. I was told there was a ring involved. She was right. There is a ring. So it was fine. But now that I got it, I'm going back home. Because I'm, was all, I'm back. I'm, goodbye. <laughs> COVID can have Georgia. Georgia can have COVID. Have they completely lowered all restrictions? There's never been restrictions. Texas, there hasn't. Has two weeks. There. That's it. First two weeks of March. That was the only time we had restrictions. And they have not had any since. Wait, literally none? None. Like all businesses They shut down. Open? Two weeks, he opened up the bowling alleys like April the fourth. Wow! No, that wow. was the last bowling thing. To, that was the last thing to be open because the clubs and the bowling alleys got opened together in April, and nothing has been closed since. Masks are optional. He sued <gasps> the, the mayor of Atlanta because she made it mandatory in Atlanta, and he sued her. Um, and it's been hell on earth for anyone who respects COVID and a party. For anyone who does not, so people fly here to do whatever they want. You can do whatever you want. Name a thing, you can go. I mean, I barely wanted to bowl pre-COVID. I don't think I'm ever bowling again. (laughs) The bowling alley was packed the other day. (laughs) Well, we went, we drove right past it to go get our curbside, and it was packed. They were having a great time. So fun for them. Is bowling an essential game? Who has ever thought of bowling before? Girl, the skate parks, the bowling alleys, the amusement parks, you drove past Six Flags, their lines are long, it's warm. They're having a great time in Atlanta, honey. A great time. Cynthia Bailey had a whole wedding. It's two different countries. Like, I did not know that people were living, like, going to movies, going to bowling alleys. Like, I just thought everybody was living the way I was. You would be. And I mean, like, New York having been the global epicenter at one point like a lot of us are not everybody obviously but a lot of us in the city are are taking it super serious i just can't imagine the bowl i can't imagine someone being like like protesting not being able to bowl like you know like the (laughs) anti-maskers who are like i give me the liberty to do whatever and the government but i can't imagine someone being like i need to bowl in my line for dose one of the vaccine, I was the only person of eight wearing a mask. 
It was oh fun. My I gosh. was like, I'm very confused at the logic here. What? Like, someone explain it to me. It isn't funny, but I can't stop laughing. It's not funny, but I'm like, I am me. I have like seven. Con- when they were like, name your conditions, because there's not enough You're room like, on this board. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. not enough. I need more yeah. space. And I'm like, my little ass is just waiting, like, oh no, oh no. And they are just on the phone talking they're like hey are you in line for this i'm like please don't speak in my direction oh my god please speak around me i was like i can feel inoculation happening oh my god oh my god yeah in line to get the vaccine and no mask it's fun it's great love it here this is sarcasm i hate it i'm leaving immediately wow june the 14th i will be back home the home front back in dc i'm very pleased And for Kiki and Sasha, how are you guys doing in L.A.? Yeah, because y'all crazy too, right? I mean, I just got here and pretty much it was like lockdown the minute I, I, on my birthday was like the second lockdown. (laughs) So um, I pretty much just spent a lot of time inside, which is what I was doing in New York. So it's no different. (laughs) Like I haven't really seen anything and that's fine. But at least it's warm so I can hang out in a backyard, you know? Yeah. Mm. And that's the thing because it's so nice. So restaurants are open now for outdoor dining. So if you go to a neighborhood, like I drove down West Hollywood where like Sir and Pump, all those restaurants were. And because there's so much outdoor dining in that area, it looks like it's normal because it's packed, but it's outdoor. Like Sir was lit. (laughs) That's so generous of you to call them restaurants. When I think of Pump and Sir. Yes. Location filming comes to mind first before like food and beverage service. (laughs) I would like to try to crave a goat cheese. That's what I'm saying. I want a goat cheese ball. I have not had one. Just to try it. Yeah. The Yelp reviews tell me that I would be in danger though. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. And Richie Sky, king of the world. How are you? How's the DC area? Okay, home. What's happening? Yes, we've got some connections here. It's not a lot happening here. I mean, stuff is open at like 25% capacity, but, mm-hmm. and so if you go out, things are, everybody's kind of still spaced out. Um, I don't really do much here during the week, honestly. I'm in the house most of the time, so I, I kind of feel mm-hmm. like life is happening. I look on Instagram, I see the clubs are open in Atlanta, Texas, there are no masks anymore, so I just kind of <laughs> feel like, I feel a little left out a little bit. Little no, bit. you're in the no, you're you're in. You're we're not <laughs> we're team. I I just you know, I just went for a long walk downtown with my double mask surgical on the inside, Adam's fabric on the outside, living my best life, not coming into contact with a fucking person, mm-hmm. loving every second of mm-hmm. it. And you know, it's we're just gonna Hopefully, you know, people who aren't being as safe as they could be are still getting vaccinated at the end of the day. That's like we just need to get as many people to get um, Moderna or Pfizer, mm-hmm. Johnson and Johnson, whatever <laughs> seasonal in your area. That's that's kind of the whatever tickles that's your the fancy. Listen, right? Richie, I'm trading in my life for yours. I'm going back home. I'm the first thing smoking Come back to DC. Up. I'm like, can I get out of here? Can I, I can't and I have to go to the airport. Oh Lord. Oh my God, I can't imagine flying right now. Holy yeah, it's shit. a whole fun. I mean, it's packed, man. There, the, the prices and everything. Atlanta is lit, okay? <laughs> if you're looking for a good time, maybe you have someone who's like, I'm really sick of COVID. I'm going to go ahead and be a denier now. Tell them to come on. The economy is booming. Great place to come. 
Well, wow. I mean, speaking of Atlanta and all things booming, my fucking God, can we like take a moment to discuss the Kenya crisis or opportunity, the the strategic maneuvers that she's been making from like good time girl a la Heather Gay to... I don't know, decider of what is good and right and holy and PG, God forbid, PG-13 this week. I want to get your thoughts on everything that's been happening on Real Housewives of Atlanta because I feel like it needs to be deep dive. Has everybody seen this week's episode? Who am I talking about? Absolutely, yeah. Multiple Mm -hmm, times. mm -hmm. It's like less than 10, more than 30, somewhere in the middle. Um. Is there any feeling or thought about what felt like a little bit of a sea change in Kenya's reasoning for her investigation between this week and the week prior? Did you feel a little bit of a shift between her saying, I'm just kind of doing this for fun, I'm doing this for fun, to what felt like a little, like a 90 degree turn or maybe even 180 into this is disgusting? And you need to be caught and kind of had your. Well, Kenya's whole like life to- yeah. is like a juxtaposition. It's like she brings a baby to a bachelorette party, which is like <laughs> bringing a baby to a bar. Right. So you're like, OK, maybe <laughs> I don't know. OK, so you got your baby, but then you're complained about the fact. Well, but then you throw on the lingerie and you're busting it wide open with your baby upstairs. Not a problem. But then we get to okay, everybody else is having fun. And now it's like, but my baby was upstairs. But nobody told you to bring the baby to the bachelorette party. Like, why, first of all? Can we just get into the fact that she made her baby wait for 45 minutes while she sat down there (laughs) and she eavesdropped to hear the squeaks and the moans and the groans and all the noises that came along with the sex party, Marlo's words, uh, not mine. But she stayed down there for 45 minutes, made the baby wait for the milk, and then got back to it. And now she has a problem. And now she wants to use the baby as the reasoning why this was so disgusting. But it wasn't mm-hmm. disgusting when the ladies were all getting it on earlier. It was just disgusting when there was the man involved. It right. was disgusting when she was no longer a part of the party. And right. When it became a solo party, yeah. a VIP party, <laughs> mm-hmm. she no longer was a part of it. She was no longer VIP. And there was no VID, none of that. So she got upset. And I called two weeks ago on my podcast and said, she's going to make this about her kid. I know it. She's going to make it about her kid because it's going to be like, a, why are you trying to ruin our fun? It's like, actually, I'm not just being a villain. My daughter was here. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, who told you to do that? That was a choice. You made one. It was a bad one. <laughs> and also, it's and it, like, it was yeah, disgusting it because it was Portia. Like, she doesn't like... Exactly. Mm. That's what I was... 100%. That's what fuels yeah. it for her, you know? Especially when Portia, like, when whenever Portia was like, oh, Kian, her sob story when she was talking about her daughter, this whole stripper thing was a perfect opportunity. She's like, yes, I can use this as a way to attack Portia and bring Portia down. Because she's sitting there dropping everyone's name but Portia at the table when we all know who she's talking about. Mm-hmm. Right. And she said she knew her voice. And to be fair, I was 
Team Kenya last week as a viewer where I was like, yeah, girl, let's get to the bottom of it. What's going on? <laughs> Who did it? Yep. Mm -hmm. Let's open this can of worms. But now she's making it unfun for me. And that's mm -hmm. where I can never get fully on board with Kenya. She won't let me have fun. She won't let anyone have fun. No one can have fun. She will suck the fun right out of it. And now it goes from being shady and messy to a full-on situation. And now we're probably going to lose Tanya to, in filming. And now, so how much can we even talk about it if she's not going to be there? And now I'm like, see, everybody was here and fair game. And now we've messed up the fun. Mm -hmm. It did appear that she switched her focus when she realized that Portia was likely involved in some way in mm. whatever happened in the room like it went to from to her were expressed by her it went from like this is a fun thing and I'm gonna be kind of like shady or whatever to this has become a negative experience that I need to investigate because safety was impacted or mm -hmm. something else when she decided that this would be a great opportunity to characterize Portia as suspect you know, and Portia's face, she seemed to understand what took me a week to catch up on. Like, she seemed to get it last week that this was building toward something that was going to be used against her in a potentially harmful way. Whereas initially I saw it as like genuinely fun in games. And then it was a huge left turn for me. It felt like Portia was like in on the plot. You know, at a certain point, she got that this was going to turn into being something against her. Mm -hmm. I think for me, you know, just going back to even last year when the articles came out, at that mm -hmm. point, I kind of knew, oh, we can see where this storyline is kind of going. And then as it happened on the screen, knowing that they're also going to at some point be talking about the articles that come out later... I'm like, mm -hmm. uh, this screams Kenya coming after Portia and Tanya. It just, for me, it, it, I was like reading the tea leaves at that point. Do you think that um, Tanya said she was in the room in order to protect Portia, but maybe wasn't and didn't understand in the moment what she was actually saying? Mm -hmm. I don't. By saying that, you don't. You I absolutely, actually, I've seen me. that theory that she was just there to protect Portia. A, my own, my go-to is I don't ever think Portia would ever say she needed protection. And if anything, she would not need it from Tanya. That is not your best line of defense. But I do think that Tanya was probably involved. If anything, I think it'd be the opposite. I think that Tanya probably did do something, which I don't think I'd blame her. I'm not saying cheating is oh great. Oh my God, that's the Just saying. volunteer is tribute. So like, let's not pretend that this is like, come I've on. I've seen that's Paul, a, is that his name? Paul, he's cute. Bolo, I mean, Paul made away oh, eight years. There was Cookie Lady just last year, right? The oh other one, I'm like, okay, so if she has Cookie Lady, you, I mean, you could have Bolo. So to me, I don't, I think it's an even split now. But I don't think that, I think that Portia and Tang, I think if they didn't both get it on, I don't think that Tanya is just doing it to, I don't think that would need to be a thing. But that's just my opinion. I think if anything, Portia's covering for Tanya. I, and I, I'm hoping that's the case. I can see that because I almost feel like Portia probably would have come out and said what she did if she, if it worked for the fact that she might have been trying to protect Tanya. Mm-hmm. She said it two uh, two weeks ago when she was in, like when she started realizing what Kenya was going to do. She said, 
you know, I'm single. I can do whatever I want. But you, you got a whole fiance. You're engaged. Like she was like reminding the viewers of something like, this is why we need to shut Kenya down because she can't keep going with this line of, with this line of a rumor if you're engaged. I'm like, so nobody remembered that Tanya was engaged to that man, but she was reminding us like she can't be caught doing this. And I, and I don't know why you would leave if you did nothing. I feel like they, her, I would be maybe not surprised if her and her fiance have an agreement to where she can hook up with girls, but not Tanya? men. Yeah. Like I could see her and Portia hooking up, but I don't think she slept with Bolo. And I feel like that was her being like, oh, oh I was with Portia because she knows her dude is cool with that, but not necessarily her sleeping with another man. Mm. I could totally see that. Mm. That would make a lot of sense because, yeah. I, you know, we don't know a lot about their relationship, but they they could have very much an open relationship. But she is clearly dedicated to this man. So I can yeah. see that being with another man, she would see as cheating. But another right. woman I could see. Yeah. Can I ask a totally out of left field question, which I was thinking about earlier because I just can't stop thinking about Housewives all day long. When Kenya shifted gears and strategy seemingly so shockingly to many people not including Portia is there any kind of argument that regardless how of however sloppy and not great her strategy was certainly the impact is there any argument that maybe a part of her was doing this because she was thinking what would what will Mark say when he watches this episode someone who has she's at this point oddly holding on to thinking that the relationship will work out. He's someone who's been very vocal in expressing his displeasure at the idea of housewives, let alone the women on the show. Do you think that factored in at all her trying to like set herself as the model of being above this or calling it out? Or do you think this was totally just like a change in strategy in order to make either shut the women up or, make herself separate from whatever happened i think the moment she wasn't involved like she was clearly having fun from the onset like she wanted to be a part of this bachelorette party when she wasn't involved in this after party and it, the focus shifted away i think she just sort of like it was revenge it's like yeah. latoya's making out mm -hmm. with portia she, you know she hears moaning growing in the room so like okay this is the position i'm gonna play now because i'm jealous and it was a loss of control because this is her party, right? And she felt comfortable busting it right open and she felt safe in that environment. And when they took it out to something that she wasn't, that was the anger that she felt like, I'm supposed to be the host. Kind of similar to where that night where she wanted to play that mystery game or whatever. And like nobody was into it and she got really, really pissed. It's like one of those things, like a, she feels disrespected. So, oh, this is my party and you guys didn't include me. So I'm going to then out everyone else. And I didn't even really see a tactic change from this week to last week. I felt it from the beginning. Like it didn't ever seem like it was fun. Even when she was out at the pool, like I already, I already felt that undercurrent of her, what she was getting at from the beginning. And she can't yell at Candy. This she can't. Candy stripper. She exactly. can't yell at Candy. So she has to yell exactly. at the person that made it get out of hand. Yes, because she's exactly. the only person on that entire cast that she respects mm -hmm. is Candy. That's exactly. it. Exactly. Because that's because Candy makes more than her. So she's right. always <laughs> trying to gun for that spot. And she mm -hmm. can't yell at Candy because Candy invited the stripper. So she can't yell at the person that made it was like the one thing that made it unokay because that was the one thing Candy wasn't a part of. Yeah. Sarah, I also think that that first week it was funny how she was trying mm -hmm. to put it together. But then in this past right. episode, it was not fun. Mm -hmm. 
Right. You know what I mean? Yes. She took the fun mm-hmm. out of it when she started to really drill down into it. That's kind of where I think it's there was a juxtaposition, right? Th- no, you're right. How, at least how I saw viewer, it. For the viewer, like, yeah. yeah, I enjoy And I was actually happy that she was doing that. Yeah. I'm like, thank you. I want to know. Yes. But it was always Get her intention was always there. It's just for us. We were like, yeah, that is exactly right. I was enjoying it. And then I was like, oh, wait, no, that ain't it. We're not in bolo court anymore. Now we're like in child court. Like, mm-hmm. is the child safety <laughs> happening? Right. It's not the same thing. I signed up to be on the jury of bolo court. Uh-huh. I was like, who did it? Yes. Yeah. And now she's like, my child was unsafe. I'm like, from what? Girl. The Girl. baby is fine. Maybe if the baby has some milk, some warm <laughs> milk, which is what you went down there to get, the baby right. would sleep right through the moans and groans. But you made the baby wait. So the hunger just grew. And so no, now the baby can't sleep. Like, Calling them disgusting. It's like, why yeah, she is this, literally this I could use the word disgusting. Yeah, she it's did. like, bitch, like. She's never had a man would... probably bolo her. Right. <laughs> I think Tanya hit the so nail happy. on the head too, because Tanya was like, you know, what's going on in your bedroom? Because you're so interested in mm-hmm. everything else that's going on here. Maybe you need to be getting some. Yes. Are yeah, we to it, believe that Walter was doing it for her like that? No, I don't think so. No. So I think that from what we know of no. Kenya, she's not had the best of options. <laughs> and this bolo man wanted everybody but her. She's mm-hmm. bad. Mm-hmm. And yet her he closest ally on the cast has been Candy. I don't, it doesn't make I sense know. to me how Candy even allows a friendship with Kenya, who seems to be, as she is reminding us, a woman of such moral character and ethics, who has focused the idea of a person's like sexuality or sexual fluidity into this shameful weapon or something. You know, like she's weaponized a bachelorette party that she herself was hosting, participating in and celebrating the day after. And it doesn't make sense to me when I look at it through the lens of Candy, who herself is like very open about her sexuality and about the power and celebration and fun that can have, that can come with sex. Like in watching Kenya behave that way, I'm like, how does this potentially affect their friendship? Because what Kenya is attacking by attacking the dungeon is not just like a form of income for candy that she was able to so successfully market it's and like the sex toy line and everything else it is also an aspect of candy that she is someone who celebrates sensuality you know how does that work in their relationship i've always thought that candy is at first a businesswoman and she Mm -hmm. knows as her role on this show she knows kenya is a necessary evil yeah. And it's not just like I can film with them because listen, even the way she regards Portia now, people honestly thought that she would never be cool with Portia again after the, you know, the allegations and everything from a few years ago with Phaedra. But Candy can at least be cordial and work well and like participate in things with Portia. But I think she knows with Kenya, that's something that people want. They want to see Kenya. She knows it's like it's going to happen and it's necessary. And I think that she doesn't put herself above being a good businesswoman. And she knows that show is going to keep her the highest paid and give her the biggest check. It needs to be the best. And if people want Kenya, they want Kenya. 
mm-hmm. people want Portia, they want Portia. And I don't think she'd ever sacrifice that. But I think that if Ken, if Candy really was like, she's, you know, slut shaming and weaponizing, mm-hmm. I'm, I don't know if Bravo would fire Kenya, but they would definitely listen because Candy holds a lot of weight in that regard. Mm-hmm. But she's so secure in herself that she's like, listen, King is not making it hot, but she calls her out on it every time. She called her out with Cynthia and the engagement. She called her out with the crab cake. She's calling her out when she was talking to Don Wanley. She doesn't put up with her shit. So I think she's the voice of reason in that way. But she knows that she got to stick around because we have a show to make. Mm-hmm. I'm not great at watching Bravo's chat room, although I support it definitely in theory. Did anybody watch to see what Portia's reaction to this was? I didn't have a chance to, but I'm curious if she changed or doubled down on what I think a lot of us feel was like a little wild. You know what's behavior. interesting is that they don't really get into Mm-mm. that aspect of it. Like they don't they don't get into Portia's involvement with it at all. Mm-mm. They talk about Mm-mm. everything else around that, but there was never a specific moment where Giselle is like, where you know, if, if she was on Potomac, she would definitely be like, so were you in the room with him? Never, that question never came up. Mm-hmm. Why yeah. is that? Is that because they're afraid Reunion. it's going to detract from... But then also it's like these women all do interviews and page six gives you so much press. Wouldn't you want that press to come from in-house? Like that would be a, such an amazing soundbite video moment to like supplement whatever's happening on Watch What Happens. I would think that like the benefit of having Portia on the show, having Giselle on the show and everything was happening in Potomac is that these women should ideally help continue the conversation that we're seeing play out on their episode. It's sort of only strengthens the power of the app. It did happen with Potomac, but it did it has not okay. happened with this situation. That's crazy. Maybe because of their filming schedule. Like I wonder what that mm. is. Because if they're doing Watch What Happens Live at least a full day before it happens or before it's supposed to air, so they can audio and edit and everything like that, which is what they're mm-hmm. doing now that it's at home. I'd wonder if they A need to make sure that know what the reception is you know what i'm saying like how much do people want to even know what are they saying about this episode that it because the portion would answer because it's like a 22 minute show and i'd have more questions but i don't even know what they are until i've seen the episode but they recorded the chat room well before the episode aired so i i guess it, it could be that but also and because andy loves to lead in his questions with we got a lot of information online or we got a lot of pushback about when you mm-hmm. said x y and z they don't have that information yet they don't know what it is that we care about yet i almost feel like they would prefer to obvious. leave it a mystery Really? Like, I feel like they would rather have us speculate about what could have happened because I don't think that Porsche is ever going to really answer that question outright. Because also, yeah. Andy had a perfect opportunity to ask Bolo on his mm-hmm. annoying appearance on Watch What Happens. By the way, Live. I was about to that say, was he was, it, his appearance it was, was horrible. So bad. So like, bad. He, it, he was like, your part. shout out to my OnlyFans. Follow me on <laughs> Instagram. Only I was like, you know why you are this here. This is your moment. Play the part. It was, he didn't watch it the was episode. Horrible. He said he has a lot going on. He's he like, I'm right. more than just the Bolo character. No, That's you how I know he's from Atlanta. Bolo. Be the Bolo. That's exactly <laughs> how I know you're from Atlanta. There's too much entrepreneurial he spirit He needs a manager. Happening. He needs a, a PR consultant to help him know how to, you know, navigate this stuff. Like, you better ride the wave, homie. 
ride the wave. He's like, there's other opportunities for me out there because he's in Atlanta. So he's like, oh yeah, it's fine. I don't need to, I'm an actor. I do my, apparently no. his entire Instagram is now private and someone I know what? followed him and they were like, before he absolutely had like shirtless and stuff pictures on there allegedly. And now they're like all fashion pictures. Like since you're oh here, God. I am no. a model model. It's like, no, no, you know you why not. we're here, honey. <laughs> but it's but so true, Richie. Shade room that they did nothing. I don't know if that was because the the season hadn't aired yet, but he like did an interview where he said nothing happened. Yeah, and then he tried to re. That was what he sort of reiterated on you know Watch What Happens Live. It's like, oh well, I've already said in the past, but you know TV, you know I'll leave it. I'll let you let your imagination run wild. So he was even trying to sort of not backtrack on what he said about nothing happening, but he's kind of like, I want to leave it a mystery because it's like it's like building up this persona. But yeah, he was just plugging too much stuff. And I'm like, don't mm -hmm. try to act like, yeah, you're a model man. You're beyond Bolo. Like, yeah. Bolo is what's going to make you and stop acting up. And Andy could have asked, so where did you sleep? That's a simple question. Where did you sleep and that Andy night? Andy did mm -hmm. not do that. Mm-hmm, see? Weird, that very is weird. wild to me. I mean, I understand to a certain extent, of course, you're going to save some of these big questions to like give the answer on the reunion, regardless of whether or not Tanya is present, the rest of the cast, and certainly Portia can speak to, you know, giving a definitive answer if she wants to, because she has every right to say, go fuck yourself. And also I could tell you what happened, but obviously as I've seen the rumors alone are enough to get people on the cast to try to weaponize that against me. So it's like Portia can disengage Portia's Portia at that table was doing a Meredith Mark. She was fully disengaging in a way that I thought was like a plus plus like the look in her eyes like she was being very patient but you could tell she understood exactly what was happening and was actively choosing not to participate mm -hmm. i agree i mean it's the jealousy for me yeah the jealousy like portia came on they came on the show at the same time and Kenya thinks she's so much better than Portia. And for Portia to get get dismissed from the show, come back and come out in the way that she is now, you know, that rise that she's, I mean, Kenya can't stand it. And it's so obvious. And that's why Kenya's so off-putting to me. Because like the, the problem that she has, Portia's not done anything to you. What's her problem? Mm -hmm. You know, I don't get it. Portia's minding her business being Portia Luther King and Kenya can't stand it. Oh my God. When she said that she was doing it for clout, I was like, okay, so who gets arrested for clout? I would love to know. I have never in my black life been like, you know what I want to do to get likes? Like, are you kidding me? That is my biggest fear. My biggest fear is that. I'm like, not in this body, okay? Maybe in another one, another life, another decade. But like to say that, I'm like, you really hate this woman. I know. Why? Like, and it's what sad. did Portia ever do to King? Nothing. And look, the thing is, what Kenya doesn't know how to have a relationship with a woman, right? Because her examples of that are horrible, like her mom and just mm -hmm. people disowning her in her life. So she only has minions like Latoya and Cynthia or people that she respects like Kenya. Where are her friendships where they're actually an equal? I, where is it? it I don't know that she's capable exist. of it. It's not a you thing. Know? You know, the unfortunate thing about Kenya, which is going to make it hard for her as time goes on, because she's going to continue to have to up the ante with her antics, is that she thrives better in conflict, right? So you have people on mm -hmm. the show like a Candy or a Portia who can survive based on what's actually going on in their own lives. 
And unfortunately, that's not Kenya for whatever reason. She has always survived and thrived on this show because of her conflict with some of the other women. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she, yeah. I just thought about it. She has no other storyline. So the very same rumor that like Teresa in Jersey is getting that she started mm-hmm. this rumor with Jackie because she has no storyline, which I was like, oh yeah, you're right. Her kids are away. The only kid that we ever really knew most about, she's at college. Her husband mm-hmm. got deported. She's divorced. We have no storyline there. So yeah. she's to create something. With Kenya, her daughter's being blurred out. And we just knew her daughter last mm-hmm. year. So she literally mm-hmm. has nothing to film at home. Mark mm-hmm. won't answer a call. He's filing for divorce by accident or some shit. <laughs> And now he's like over here texting her because didn't y'all see that she said that or something like he asked for spousal support by accident. He didn't know what he was asking for. It was like, that's not it. Girl. No, that is so not it. She, what could she film? She has nothing else to film. She's basically being invited to this by the skin of her teeth because she's a yeah. terrible bridesmaid. So I fully believe Cynthia only asked her this because production was like, you need somebody on the cast to be a bridesmaid and candy is above your pay grade. So they went with Kenya. <laughs> I have to say, what a pivot, because you've introduced the tree of it all. So let's, if we can, shift just a little, because you're bringing up the idea of like, what is the incentive here? Is it production? Is it relationship? Is it a combination of the two? And I think a large portion, albeit not the entirety of the Bravoholic universe, because the tree huggers do exist and they are plentiful believe that Teresa created the rumors about Evan. Does everybody here believe that? Or do you think that it is also possible that someone told her something and she truly didn't care about anything other than latching onto gossip? Regardless of how it came to her, do you think she's doing this in order to secure her self-plot or a role in plot? Or do you think this is being used as a tool of just liquid revenge? I think like Teresa had to get back at Jackie no matter what. And I think that, look, I don't know if somebody did say this out of the blue. There were no receipts, so it doesn't exist. So either way, she was like, "Uh, I'm just going to run with it because like she cannot stand Jackie. And just like Kenya will take every moment to get back at Portia when she can. I feel the same way about Teresa. Like she just doesn't like Jackie. And this was her moment. And she's like, this will be a good good for me. I'm just going to run with it. Because even the way mm-hmm. she was running around the party, it just didn't make sense. You don't spread gossip that way. Like when I have gossip, it's like it's a, there's a way you do it. And it's never involved like just you going to the party. You put it in the group chat with everybody who's already around you and you just go look at your phone real quick, you know? And, and, and nobody else knows. You don't run to someone. You're like, I told my friends and my sister-in-law. And they were like, and everyone else that would listen. I feel like it was a producer that that may have put that bug in her ear. Oh, you do. And I feel like then they wound Teresa up like a little uh, uh, wind-up doll and said, Mm -hmm. you should probably investigate this at the party because when is the next time you're going to see everybody? And I feel like she did just that. Because I don't think, and not to take away from her intelligence at all, but I just don't (laughs) think... Why not? Yes, that's so generous. Take away. Yeah. Wow. Take women's away history month. Is Hashtag women's history month. Okay, great. I just want to I want to make that clear. Richie Sky okay. celebrates women. <laughs> I do. I just wanted to I just feel like I don't think that that would be something that she would conceive on her own. It is it. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a valid oh, no. point. Like I don't think she would just think that I think that she probably had some animosity left over for Jackie. And so when they said it to her, she was like, oh, oh, 
okay, let's find out. And so then they sent her off into the party and there she went. Because why else would you go to that? Like you said, that's not how you spread up or you ask questions. We don't yeah. stop by everybody's station at the party, whisper it in the ear within the earshot mm-hmm. of the camera and then act like we didn't spread it. That doesn't that sounds crazy to me. It seemed very producer driven to me. I have a satchel of gold and satchels of gold, of course, to new AGs are listener thoughts, feels, comments, questions that you send uh, to me and my DMs on Instagram throughout the week. And I have a satchel of gold about Teresa from Kelsey in Westchester, Westchester, Pennsylvania. Shout out to West. I didn't know there was a Westchester in Pennsylvania. So shout out to you and also the one in New York uh, who says Teresa is the New Jersey Jen Shaw. She is so irrational in her arguments. She demands a very specific blind code of behavior that she herself does not adhere to and it is getting almost painful to watch i'm nervous the whole season is going to be the entire cast trying to project oh project manage Teresa's volatility and frankly unintelligence and it just isn't that enjoyable to watch at a certain point Mm -hmm. i mean what a comparison i wouldn't have thought of that it's 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 a it's a worthy comparison. I will say Teresa's been doing this for so much longer. That's yeah. what I was gonna like, say. This has been That's going on yeah. since like season three. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's pretty much like if we were gonna be tired, that could be why the Jersey ratings have been so low for so many years, because as much people love absolutely love Teresa, there are enough people who are like, it's always about her. And what's always. worse is that they've never actively tried to cast anyone that could even compare in that mm-hmm. level i mean i'm mm-hmm. granted now everyone's not sending their husbands and their spouses to jail we can't get that more than once it's going to be Teresa. but outside of that your best bet is melissa and that is really sad because you're really just <laughs> watching for her husband and mm-hmm. the fake storylines yeah. like they're over it. and see i've always felt like if anybody should deserve like an og credit it probably is Teresa because the woman literally went to prison on tv for us mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. but at the same time if Jackie, like I get why, you know, she wants Jackie to respect her and Jackie's like, I'm not going to kiss your ass. And she's like, are we going to let her do this? I'm like, Jackie, honey, you are not the one here to dethrone her. It could be somebody, but it's not going to be you. And I just don't understand why Jackie needs the, the validation from Teresa that this was a rumor. You know what I mean? Like she's yeah. like begging Teresa to tell her it's a lie and not begging her husband to tell us it's a lie. I'm like, why can't he just yeah. get on the confessional and say... It didn't happen. And I would have moved on. I would be like, oh, okay. Chalk that under other things Teresa gets wrong. Like, that's a long list. So it's not a big deal. But she's, like, begging Teresa to validate her husband's faithfulness. I think it's Mm -hmm. a say it on camera thing, right? I think it's, like, the reaction, just to compare it, the reaction to what she said, the analogy that she made about Gia, saying that on camera has ramifications, I think that's what Jackie is trying to get Teresa to understand that if you say this on camera and you say it now, America thinks that this is who this man is. Similarly, the impact of her saying that analogy on camera has had Mm -hmm. a negative impact for Gia in her social media and now her perception. So I think that Jackie just wanted her to say, take this back on camera so that this can repair his reputation. That's how I, that's what I thought she was trying to do. I, I don't know. 
I have an SOC comparison question, if it's if that's okay. Oh my that god! I could ask. Please, uh, first off, the permission of it all. Granted, <laughs> listen, I gotta Imagine ask if my I was permission. Like, How dare you? <laughs> I just raised my hand. <laughs> I would love it. Class is in session. Class with the I, dame. That doesn't quite work as well as Countess. Tell me, tell me, tell me your thoughts. Make I comparison. had a comparison. I was like. Why am I not finding it an issue that Jackie gave us this quote unquote analogy to me? I'm like, okay, it's not that big of a deal. And I'm wondering, is it similar to what did happen with Meredith and her son Brooks where Meredith is telling the internet, you can't come after my son. And she's telling Jen, you can't come after my son. And everybody's like, well, your son was on TV and your son has been afforded opportunities because of this show. And your son is an adult and he's like giving confessionals and whatnot. So he's fair game. And I don't know if I feel if I agree with that argument, but I'm seeing a parallel where people are also looking at Gia like, well, you have gotten things from this show. It was bound to happen probably at some point, maybe not to this magnitude. We don't know. But is it the same or is she also off limits because we know her like we've grown up with her or something? I think it's awful. I I actually think I thought it was. Listen, when it happened, I laughed my ass off. It was a guttural, visceral laugh. I haven't laughed harder in my life. And then immediately after that, while understanding it was a comparison being made, was like, oh, is this true? <laughs> Did she actually do something? Like, let me do a quick little goog, <laughs> do a little investigation. <laughs> when it when it comes to the kids, though, regard if they are young adults, which Gia is and Brooks is if they have participated I just look at it through the lens of like Brooks is different because he was over 18 when he started filming and is new to this show even though he's gotten a lot of positive and negative feedback through the course of the first season Gia we grew up with these kids weren't able to make consent when their lives were being filmed so having grown up in this system in this environment it makes me slightly uncomfortable critiquing their behavior and to me there's nothing to critique with Gia she's like an angel child I wish her mom would listen to her a little bit more when she was giving her feedback and um, consultation but I wouldn't feel comfortable necessarily critiquing her because I think of the idea that like you weren't necessarily consenting to this and even if you are now at an age of consent you've grown up in this environment in a way that it was introduced to you before you were able to say whether or not you wanted to do this. And it is a show not about your behavior, but likely your parents. I I haven't found an area in which I felt comfortable critiquing a child with one exception, which is Tamara's son, Ryan, oh, Lord. because he is 30 years old hasn't spent as much time on camera when he was on camera. I don't remember how old he was, maybe late teens and has said some things that were very explosive and to me deserve critique. But I, he is to me that I can think of the only child that I've ever given some sort of negative feedback to. But that's just me. What do you guys think? Do you think it's fair game for, for Brooks and Gia if they're involved in the plot? And, and Brooks certainly was, sort of. I think it's like, okay, fair game. In this particular instance and in what happened, the reason I can say like, it didn't bother me is because we understand how the world works. I know Gia is going to be fine. 
I know that Gia will continue to get brand deals. I know that the trolls that were coming after Gia were the trolls that were probably coming after Gia prior to the statement being made. And the statement just gave them another thing to right. fuel this. Yeah. And, you know, like if somebody were to attack kids in a way that was like terrible and horrible, no, I never agreed with it. It was the reason I stopped mm-hmm. following bloggers long ago when they attack kids. I do not go there at all. Um, but just in this particular instance, it was like I immediately saw what she was doing and I knew that Gia would be fine. And that mm-hmm. was sort of how I like viewed it. You know what? Thinking also, I probably have maybe critiqued um, Brielle a little bit on social because she's fair. done some stupid shit. So there's that. But I do also think that like if you behave in a way that's deserve it of critique and you're doing so on camera or it's being used as a plot on camera there's something to say there I mean there are people who have genuinely very passionately critiqued Brooks in a way that makes me think that he's a trigger for a lot of people which I absolutely have not experienced um and didn't feel upset by what he was saying on camera but I can appreciate that there are people who had an almost visceral reaction that was very different to my lack thereof um do any of you feel a I mean like I just really don't I don't like feel a way about Brooks one way or the other I'm like fine you know I I enjoyed him on the show until I was just more focused on what the actual women were doing you know versus the children I wanted a tracksuit I did. And then I went online. (laughs) Sold out. I I went online to get a hat from Robin. Sold out. It's just, I don't know. I'm trying to support I just was annoyed. Like, it felt just so, like, uh, annoying when he was just so grossed out by vagina. I was like, ew, mom. Mm -hmm. You're going to change on camera? Like, ew. Ew, ew, ew. It's like, okay, we get it. You're gay. Like, you know what I mean? It was just, like, a lot. What does that mean? But in my mind, that would have made him even more comfortable with it. Exactly. And that's coming from a gay man. <laughs> but to say, like, I'm gay and I enjoyed Bolo. I was like, well, but I'm that just saying, no, be a fun no, time saying, like, that's it's what like you want. Like, I, I know I'm just saying, like, I have people, I've heard people say that it's like, he's trying to, like, overly be, like, grossed out by a vagina. Mm. Like, like it's like, mm. if you're gay, why are you acting so grossed out by it? It's not yeah. a big deal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you have to go to Best the, Buy in the middle right. of the night. He's not out of the closet. He's not. Um, which is something that huh. actually Steve Faces by Bravo brought to my attention. He has yes. never come out of the closet, hasn't done so on camera. I don't know whether or not he has in his private life. He, yeah. so It's that- just Meredith that makes you, because she said like he can stay home and do my hair and makeup. And right, I was like, exactly. I don't yeah. know how I feel about these words because I feel like we are right. typecasting. Because if, if he's not out, that's all but almost outing him, girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I retract all of my previous statements. <laughs> Yikes. I mean, but it is a little bit to shift gears to SLC. I do want to have a conversation because I had an episode of Andy's Girls last week where we were talking about the reunion of it all and the Jen Shaw of it all. Mm. And my perspective shifted in the hours following the episode when I participated in a clubhouse. Are you guys on Clubhouse? Yeah. I'm trying. It stresses but me I'm, out. I think I I'm either too I'm young or too old. I don't know out. what it is. I'm, I'm not there yet. I'm a little st- I get a little stressed out by it mostly because I keep accidentally entering clubhouses. <laughs> like I woke up the other day and I was in a clubhouse and I was like, how is this 
happening? I don't know if my finger is touching the wrong thing, but like it keeps happening and I do have the thumb thing on my iPhone but like my thumb really wants me to get really into other forms of social media apparently or whatever the fuck it is and so I keep waking up or accidentally entering them when it gives you a notification and then I'm like how is this happening but anyway um shout out to clubhouse um so I was in a I was on a club in a clubhouse panel which I'm in every Friday at 6 hosted 6 p.m. Eastern Standard host by hosted by Dave Quinn where we were talking about the Jen Shaw of it all and I heard a perspective I initially watched the episode and as a white woman felt like I had the only option was to support Jen in what she was audibly saying and I say that with the caveat that when I was watching the episode something about it and what Jen's narrative felt off to me but I didn't know what it was but I felt like if she is telling me that she is experiencing something that I should support it or hear her or listen. And then I went on this clubhouse panel and heard from several black Bravo holics and have heard since from several black AGs who've said she is co-opting a movement and an experience that is not specific to women of color necessarily who may feel uh, a certain way based on their experiences, but a very specific set of experiences that are essentially exclusive to black women, which I hadn't thought about. And then I watched Sasha's video on the Bravo breakdown. Yes. And the name of the video, correct me if I'm wrong, I just rewatched it before we started recording, was like, Jen Shaw is not a black woman, which mm. is a, it's a real that. TLDR. <laughs> if you don't have a chance to watch the three-minute clip, yes. you get an idea of her, her perspective, which to me was very clarifying in that you uh, no one is taking away from Jen Shaw's experience as a woman of color but there is a deserved critique of the manner in which she, you know, I don't know, communicated on the reunion or tried to protect or defend against genuine, I would say, informed critique of how she's behaved during this season. What were your thoughts? What were your thoughts, Sasha, while watching it? What was what's the reaction been since you posted the video? Have you heard from Jen? This is a 10 part question. I hope you're taking notes. <laughs> and then from everybody else, what were your thoughts, you know, watching the ep itself? So, Sasha, can I start with you? Because that video, I highly encourage anybody that hasn't seen it to go post haste to the Bravo breakdown and watch it because I know for me, I was like, oh, okay, this, as soon as I started to watch it, based on the title, as soon as I started to watch it, I was like, this 100%. It just was an immediate, like, yeah, this is exactly it. And it was so the first part of your question. So I have not heard from Jen. I have heard from Meredith Marks. Oh, with a tracksuit. Is it on okay. the tracksuit? She said she spiritual tracksuit. I know, right? She said she loves everything I have to say, and I'm like, uh oh. I see a little, uh, you know. She's like quote to the black girl when she wants to have a fight with Jen. She's like, well, this is what this black person said. Like that's her. You know how they like to have their <laughs> their uh evidence. But I'm like, okay, Meredith. But I no, she was nice though. But you know, when I was watching it, it was this feeling of like, okay, I knew exactly what this woman was doing. Like she's, she's stuck mm -hmm. in a corner with these women. And the only defense that she could come up with was to put it under the umbrella of, oh, well, I'm being mistreated because I'm a woman of color. And that's not at all what was happening. And that's why I wanted to clarify. It's like, I'm not saying that she hasn't experienced racism because she said on the first episode mm -hmm. that people in Utah think she's black. And I heard even someone defending her, like maybe she does like 
she groups herself in that box because everyone else does, but that's not reality. Mm -hmm. So we're mm -hmm. talking about reality here. And in reality, the things that you're naming off, this, the aggressive stereotype and everything else that she's talking about, that is not something that applies to just a woman of color. You're talking about a black woman. And that's what was irritating me so much about it. It's like, and also the justification of her behavior. It's like, no, they're not saying these things to you because you're brown. They're saying these things to you because you hit someone, you threatened someone, and you threw a glass. If you hadn't done those things, let's say she didn't do any of those things, then maybe we could have a conversation. You know what I'm saying? And have you heard from, you ha You said you haven't heard from Jen. Has Jen responded to any of this at all? Because I feel like there has been a fair pushback from specifically Black Bravo-holics. And it, it would be surprising to me that someone who has essentially marketed herself adorned in Biden placards that she made into a fucking ball gown that she would respond in some way to this because it is a critique that genuinely should give people pause because it has been seemingly to me from what I've seen and heard universal. Yeah. I'm surprised she hasn't responded as well. I would hope. And while I was watching it, I was like, where does coach Shaw come in here? Like as a mm -hmm. black man, you know, the black experience, at least coming from the male perspective. And I assume that he has black mothers, aunts, maybe sisters you know what i'm saying so maybe there's been a conversation behind the scenes because that was my biggest question it's like what's happening here at home to where he's not able to point that out to her he ain't there. i had somebody reach i'm sorry go ahead well, right well that right no it. he's a he ain't there <laughs> <laughs> i had somebody reach out to me and two different things happened. One person said, well i think we need to listen to tell me <laughs> i think we need to listen to women of color <laughs> about their experiences and i was like i agree with you <laughs> i don't know what you send her back the emoji of like your hand raised <laughs> i'm sure it's like about their experience i was like yes you're right however this experience that she's sharing is not hers it's not mm -hmm. it's, it's anyway it's, it's someone else's you know and i also heard from someone say to me it's interesting that the way we were introduced to her was that so many people think that she's black. And now, while, while I won't, it, Heather has um, agreed that she herself thought that Jen was black. But to me, that felt like just more ignorance on the people of Utah than it did mm -hmm. anything about Jen or anything like that. Because I had someone be like, well, you know, like one of the largest population of Tonga people in America is in Salt Lake City. It's oh, in wow. Utah. And I'm not saying that that means that she can't be mistaken for and, and all of that. I'm just stating a pure fact. According to literally the U.S. Census, the list goes California and Utah. Those oh are the two God, largest so populations. So for her to be consistently mistaken as black, again, I think it has more to do with the ignorance of other people there who will not understand what she is and they don't want to learn yeah. that. But not because like, there's just no other people of color there. Apparently, it's about like a, less than 1% of a difference between a black population and the Tongan population. So they're pretty much going toe to toe in that regard. But what I saw was immediately, I watched it well after everybody else. I tend to do that. And I remember my face just scrunching, like getting smaller and smaller and smaller in confusion and a little bit of despair. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. What I saw happen was leveraging of white guilt knowing that everyone on that stage probably had a black square moment and they were like, we are actively trying to not be racist. We're actively listening. And it is no shade of people who think who say that and actively do the work. But she was like, 
because I know you're listening to that, I need to kind of mesh my experience in with what I know you will recognize and put them together so you understand me. But what you did was aggressive. It wasn't the same conversation as what, you know, Dr. Wendy is telling the women of like, you're using these words and all we're doing is talking to you. So be careful with Mm -hmm. using words against dark women who are just not even doing anything and your life is not being threatened. Jen is threatening lives. <laughs> it's very different. And that doesn't mean that she gets to be treated terribly, but them saying, hey, don't threaten to drown me in a bathtub is not, should not be met with, well, you committed to r- protecting black lives and listening to people of color and you're not listening to me. And it's like, because you didn't say anything other than you would drown her in a bathtub. So what was there to listen to? So it felt like opportunistic. It felt like she was trying to leverage guilt. And I do not appreciate that because you really do have a lot of people out there who are really relying on people to get this right and not be racist. And them questioning their thoughts and their feelings of, well, I didn't like that. Am I allowed to say I don't like that because they're a person of color? I mean, you can say you don't want someone to threaten you. That's fine. That's not racist. And it felt like Whitney was prepared for that argument. Everyone else was prepared for that argument. And I think I would have been a lot less mad if it wasn't for the fact that when Heather tweeted, I need to do a better job at making sure I listen to people of color and and all these things. And then hashtagged it BLM. That's when I got set off. Because I was like, that's not what happened. Everything in your statement could be true, but this is not that. This is not that hashtag. I don't know what that hashtag is, but that's not what this is. And that's not what she was arguing for because that's not her experience. She's not a part of that. You can be an ally, but she is an ally. That's it. Like, that's what got me upset was how much they decided to kind of shift and do the pivot of maybe we are wrong because like, no, you, that's not how that works. I, I, it did, I don't know. It just made me feel really uncomfortable and really upset. I released something and I was told I was biased. I said it was bullshit. And I was like, okay. So then I just posted Sasha's because people like Sasha. So I was like, y'all can't argue with Sasha. And it's like sort of opposite to like, I mean, the whole reason like my weird combination of like social justice and reality TV started, is it because like, I just want to like, throw black people into shows just so that we can be seen it's this idea that like i want black people to be on shows and then they can be just as big as assholes as the white people have been and we can enjoy it and talk shit about it equally like if jen is being an asshole let's just talk about how she's being an asshole and have it nothing to do with the fact that anyone's calling her aggressive i i want to be on a reality show and i want to be aggressive and i want to throw plates and it not be a whole conversation or three-part episode about like why were you throwing the plates that feels you know it's just that that sort of thing it's just an equalizer like i just want us to all equally talk shit about terrible behavior on reality tv and have fun with that and she's making it not like that which is why i don't like it Mm -hmm. yeah i kind of feel like she's co-opting an issue a little bit which creates a dangerous scenario because what it does what it then does is I think it almost kind of gaslights the rest of the cast and even the yes. viewing audience and even me, because now I'm like, I, I, I want to make sure that I am a, as a black man, a protector of black women. Mm-hmm. She's saying that she identifies with the black experience. If these women are calling her aggressive, I myself am no longer using the word aggressive, but what my eyes saw was behavior that was indicative of that word, right? 
So now I don't even want to say the word, okay? Like that's where I'm at with it right now because I know what that word means for a black woman and black people in general. And I know when you label somebody as that, the consequences for a black person being labeled as aggressive are a lot deeper and more uh, punishable in the court of law and court of opinion, right? So that's where the yes. danger lies in the overall issue. So now it creates a space where the cast doesn't know how to react and interact with her because they're going to be so concerned about not doing anything wrong, but then it gives her the excuse to overreact anytime she wants because they know now, well, we can't really respond to that. And Heather's response back of like, you know, the way you were behaving was aggressive. I'm essentially I'm calling it what it was aggressive. I'm watching this episode play out. And again, I don't I don't think I have the uh, I can't say that I was gaslit as a white woman, but I can say that I definitely felt like if Jen is saying this stuff. I didn't have the perspective that I now have of like a much more nuanced conversation around this and around Jen essentially co-opting a movement that she is not a direct member of because she isn't a black woman. You know, it was it's like a lot of nuance and layers here. And when it came to Heather's reactions, which weren't just the like, I don't want you educating me, but the idea of calling that behavior, saying your behavior was aggressive, it's aggressive. In the moment, did you feel like that was a deserved response for her to say as a white woman on the stage when Jen is saying this stuff? I think where I get, when I get questions like that, I keep wanting to reiterate like respectfully, I don't know because as she is not my experience, we do not have the same one. We are not right. the same. And this is where, you know, kind of gets to be the whole, like, you know, I've met plenty of people who are like, I have an issue with the whole POC thing or like the, the term that because our experience, why in my own Instagram bio, I changed it from a POC perspective to a black girl's perspective. That's the only perspective I can ever have. I don't know anybody else's. I know what I do and generally what we do as a culture. I don't really know what anybody else does. And I don't know what Jen has gone through, but that's the whole point. I didn't speak on her experience. She spoke on mine. She looped herself in to mind and this is the same thing as her misusing though there's not a great way to use it unless you are literally being this is happening to you but she's misusing this quote-unquote analogy from the summer of having her foot on her neck and it's like this is the issue we can't just go around and start taking things and just it, 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 she wouldn't have used that if it was her experience that's what I'm saying if that was a genuine fear of her she would I don't believe she would have used that I've never talked about that situation what happened that's this past summer of 2020 lightheartedly I've never joked about it I really haven't had the time to deal with like the emotional trauma and anxiety that was embedded that summer of not even wanting to drive in my own car because of being followed and everything that was going on in the world I haven't had time to really deal with that yet to joke on it and just use it lightheartedly when white women are yelling at you and another thing is I find it very difficult 
to believe or to understand where she's coming from, where I'm like, if using the term aggressive against you and the people who you love outside of your family, like against her brother, her sons and her husband, thousand percent, I believe they probably have had that experience before. And she's co-opting even her own, uh, her family's experience because she mm -hmm. feels like she's married into it. And that's really not how that works. However, you get if you know that there's a risk you will be called that and that there are repercussions as, as richie was talking about i promise you she would not have done half the things that she did to those women i have mm -hmm. never been in a situation where i am the only person of color or the only black woman in a room and feel it okay and no matter how mad i've been to yell at someone the things that she's done or a, a, to be an aggressor in those situations because when you are a black person you are automatically taught that when you are in those certain situations if you do not hold it together it could be life or death it could be your freedom or not it is absolutely a restraint that you don't even know where you get it from because you just have to have it you don't there's no other option it really becomes a no other choice situation so for her to be like I she doesn't need to have this restraint means that she's not had the same experience as me. So she's speaking on one that she doesn't have. But I truly believe she would have done that. I can promise you that her husband as a football coach does not regard the boys that play on that team at that white university the same way as he would his own sons even. I promise you that's not the case because then you do get a, a different level of risk that's involved. And she immediately when it no longer served her like she realized that it's not that people don't just want the pot stirrer or the the rah-rah girl on the cast which everybody needs one and she was trying to be that housewife and it wasn't being received well she had to pivot and she had to attack it attach it to something that wouldn't negate her validity on that show because who's going to argue with the woman of color when they're not women of color so I get it, but it's like, we don't have that same experience. So I don't truly know what you are talking about. Cause that's not my life. I'm not your people. Yeah. Two things that bothered me. And I think Sasha, you really hit this nail on the head when you said, uh, you know, when she mentioned the colored comment, uh, that really just mm. kind of, oh, oh, oh. Oh I, I, that made me so uncomfortable. I <laughs> Yeah, yeah, go and on, you, go and on. You, ran around and, the house. And you gave us the two examples when she said it. I was like, I noticed it the first time, but I didn't notice it the second time. So thank you for that. Oh but my the other God. thing I was me out. I only noticed it once. Yeah, it was, it was twice. I was like. It took me yeah, out. The other thing that I was going to touch on, you, Manny, you said something that just hit me. You know, I think she definitely wanted to be that housewife that was just comes in guns blazing. But I don't think what she realized is that that person who does that, they have to ride the wave. Because if you're mm -hmm. gonna be that person, mm -hmm. you have to accept that there are gonna be times when the audience absolutely hates you. And you have to be okay with that because that should be true mm -hmm. to who you actually are. Mm -hmm. And I don't think she- ECC Kenya. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I don't think she was aware of, oh, that's how I'm gonna be received. And I don't think she was prepared mm -hmm. for that. Because she spends her life surrounded by interns who <clears throat> put up with this behavior and almost like when she's acting up and it's funny because it's maybe at someone else or just, talk, you know, it's, it's cheered on. And so that's what she thought was going to happen with the audience, which obviously we did not respond in that way. It's just so wild to me that she came out of the gate. She obviously thought she was going to be the star of the show, 
behaved in a manner that she thought she was almost untouchable or could figure out a way to get out of sticky situations has been incredibly polarizing for the audience and yet on social media has cast herself as this like very politically active progressive person which is all fine and good for you to use your voice in support of social movements but if I was in her position and I was getting the same critique from a lot of people, all of whom are black, I don't know how you get around that without addressing it and humbling herself to say, you know, I understand the critique and I'm sorry. But then also this is a woman who did invoke the name of George Floyd in an Instagram live and quasi apologized for it months later when it went viral a second time by saying, I'm sorry if you felt that you heard that thing that I said out loud. If you heard it and it hurt your feelings, I'm sorry, which is very different from I used a very specific example that was triggering and it was irresponsible of me to do and also not my place. And I'm sorry. Like she doesn't you do like as Richie said you have to be able to accept that if you're putting yourself at a certain playing a very specific kind of role that there is going to be waves coming at you it just so happens that she has done these additional things and doesn't seem in any way interested in taking and humbling herself even a little in being honest and yet is putting herself forth as the beacon of honesty and accountability when she feels that she can. You know, like, where is the other part of this? Like, I want to see some sort of humbled aspect. Even when she was attempting to humble herself to Meredith, I didn't believe it because she kept saying over and over again, I never meant to hurt you. Which she she did mean to hurt Meredith, I felt, by talking about these rumors and doing so with like a wink and a nod. I really do wonder, like Sasha said, where, where Coach Shaw comes in with all of this. Because it, it very is apparent to me that conversations are not being had. Because to me, this is a very simple, like... It doesn't have to be a mix-up. This is a very simple clarification of like, if he just said that, set his wife down and been like, here's the thing. You know, I know, we all know in this house, you care about black lives. Done. Okay. However, what you're doing, this is why it's being perceived this way, because it's not the same thing. And I know you are passionate about it. And that's why you feel, because you're so in depth in all these conversations and all these things, you know what's happening. This is why I low-key feel kind of bad for Jen. I feel like she can't take responsibility for these things that black people are accusing her of co-opting and and disrespecting literally because i feel like she thinks that it'll let her family down if she does mm. that like it'll let her sons down if she's done something harmful like, she's trying to protect them from the world as two black men in utah which to me the answer was leave utah but she's trying to protect her sons and her husband and in her mind she can't think and allow herself to think that she's allowed danger to come to them in the house she's caused any kind of damage or danger to black people when she's trying to do that but that also comes from a type of pride 
where she's prided herself of being the most woke person in the room because the bar is in hell, probably in Utah. So in her mind, she's educating people left and right. And like, this is why this is dangerous. And they have no other option but to listen to her. But now those conversations are on TV. So now we're watching her be like, that's not, wait, hold up, hold up. Wait, whoa, what'd you say? What'd you say? That's not right. And she's now, because she's used to being the person who's like, Heather, you can't say that. You, You know what? I will say this. Heather once said, she was like, I was kicked out of the Mormon church because I, she said this to us bravo people who were on that call that day um she likes rap music gay people and something else and she was talking about how when she met jen the reason she liked jen because she was running around yelling rap lyrics she's like oh this person likes rap and hip-hop like me i absolutely believe that jen has been in a situation where she's had to educate other white people on what they can and cannot do if you catch what I'm saying, the, the parallel of Heather liking rap music and Jen educating Heather on what she can and cannot do, I think that she's thought that because she's been able to have that floor and no one can usually argue with her about it. And she's like, listen, I have black sons. I have a black husband. This is what I've seen happen, which understandably so. If she's not doing the driving, I'm sure she has been in the car when it's been profiled with her sons or something. I'm sure she's been in that situation. It doesn't make it her experience, but she's always talking from that experience of that household. So without being devil's advocate, I'm understanding where she's thinking, I can't be both the advocate and the adversary. I can't be both. So I have to maintain that I did nothing wrong and I'm just simply the advocate. And however you took it is how you took it. Yeah. I have a satchel of gold from Bria in Rockville, Maryland, who says, as, hey, a black, hey, as a black woman who grew up in predominantly white spaces, I think I understand Jen's pain and why she acts out. I think she leaned too heavily into issues that black women face with race, but I do believe her when she says in Utah, everyone who isn't white is black. And being married to a black man, raising two black sons, her sensitivity to Mary's deeply problematic comments makes sense. When I look at Jen, I see years of trying to fit in with women who never really let her in. I see someone who got a little cla- a little cash and clout and finally saw an opportunity to bite back at the women who never let her in when she was younger. She's going about this in the wrong way, but I do think calling her aggressive and saying they don't trust her is triggering in that it puts her back in that position of other. Being the only person of color in an all-white space can leave you feeling extremely vulnerable and perhaps heighten your defenses and reactions because you're walking into those situations expecting to be excluded or maybe treated as less than. I think she genuinely thought she would have an ally in Mary, and when Mary made the 7-Eleven comment and added on about her smelling like hospital, it was a betrayal. Like, damn, we're supposed to have each other's backs in this, and you're calling me ghetto on camera at a luncheon with these white women, and you said that I smell a major, super ugly stereotype launched at women of different non-white cultures. I would be just as angry. I'm not off my rocker, so I wouldn't break glasses over it, but I understand her hurt. But that's the point. She did break glasses over it, which is why I right. want to assign that as truly with the what and that that AG said. I believe before I believe Jen though, because she still did the things that if she really was like I've 
been in situations where I am the only black person in the room plenty of times. And I'm telling you, the level of like, okay, I'm just here to do my job and, and get the check and go home. Never does that ever pivot into, I'm, I feel like I am on the same level as wherever, whatever I say to this person it's going to be, there's not going to be different consequences. Like there's still a level of restraint that I'm, that I'm saying that you would have if you do tend to feel that experience. And that's fine if she was speaking from her experience, but she still couldn't just apologize for the things that she did, which is why when that tweet went viral of the woman responding to Heather with the whole hashtag BLM thing. And she was like, no girl, call it for what it is. She did threaten you. She did get in your face. She did do those things. She can easily apologize for that as well and still share her experience. This is tough. Why did Mary call her husband white? Why did everybody <laughs> <here>? <laughs> that was, I mean... She said, well, he is white. No, the wait. Bravo breakdown because there have several videos encapsulating it. There have been AG episodes where I'm like, guys, just watch oh Sasha because. Why did Lisa have to tell that woman what her husband was? Lisa was like, no, no, no. You meant light, right? Meant light. I'm like, oh, oh, what's happening here? <laughs> Oh my God, I was so confused in that moment. I was like, wait, what? I thought I heard it wrong. Me too. <laughs> I was like, wait, take it back. Can, take, can I take that back? Oh my God. It felt like Mary didn't know. I think Mary sees the world through a very different lens than the rest of us <laughs> yeah. do. Yeah. And I, that, yeah. that's how I had to start looking at her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What was her, her most recent statement was like, I was very disappointed that it wasn't the same snow that I grew up eating. I was oh so, upset. I was like, girl, it's inside. It never could have been. See? The snow did not exist. It, it was so annoying to me how Jim was bringing, tried to rope Mary in to like yes. co-sign what she was saying. I'm like, Which don't do that. Don't bring you Mary in. This. Every you woman just call here. her in white and you're gonna bring her in to validate what you're saying. Like, no. Like you yelled, you threatened Whitney behind her being friends with Meredith. Like, come on, girl. <laughs> I mean, with Mary, that's the whole point. How you I gonna know. be like? But you, my, you're my brown sister, right? You, you <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Like, Didn't you it's just like, say girl, you hated me? All thirteen episodes. Ridiculous. And how Crazy. much of that quick move from Jen to be like, we can totally get over this and move on. How much of that was related to her totally getting over this and moving on? Maybe like some deep conversations with Coach Shaw versus her knowing what she was up against in the rest of the taping and feeling like she needed to take one for the team and just own whatever, however much anger she felt to Mary. She was like, I'm just going to suck it up and say, like, let's be friends because I know there are going to be several questions that I have to answer to before this filming is done. You're right, because Whitney yeah. definitely did call her husband prepared for the racist comments. She she knew that was coming. Mm. And Jen made it clear that it was coming. Jen gave several interviews, including it was I think it was an interview to page six, as opposed to something that they picked up where she was very explicitly talking about the fact that she was treated differently in the cast because she was a woman of color. Like she was very explicit in that narrative. And it just makes me think like I wonder they're filming season two now. Thank God. Everybody is back reportedly. So I wonder if there is going to be a shift in this conversation, obviously there will be some sort of talk. I would think a sit down one-on-one -on -one between Jen and Heather. I'm curious if Jen is going to double down on what she said during the reunion or is going to shift away from this in some way. I don't know. 
because she's not acknowledging it in social. She's not responding to any of these critiques. Like, I would think that she would respond to Sasha's video. It was very explicit, well said, and like a tight three minutes. You know what I'm saying? Like, 228. I think that was the exact timing. I, <laughs> I like, I really think that she would, as the, the Salt Lake City cast is so focused on being responsive in real time on social because they understand the opportunity that they have. They're the first new franchise in a while. Housewives has changed and shifted in numerous ways, like seemingly every year. It is a crazy time that they're in. They also know they're the last franchise to have existed or filmed their normal season pre-COVID. You know, they stopped, they filmed the finale a weekend before um, lockdown or whatever. So how does that, how does this influence that? You know, like I know that she's seeing these things. Has Jen just decided that it is some sort of, argument that she's seeing more on like the Heather side you know what I'm saying where she doesn't feel she has the ability to even read and understand these critiques because she has such a wall of defense up or what I think it could simply be something like a staffing issue because like everyone says Mm. that Jen has multiple people running her social and that she Mm -hmm. is not necessarily running her social and as we've seen in the last few days the people who have been on her team Some have seemed them. to turn against her and released a lot of audio. So There's she a doesn't. Jenshaw LinkedIn. Oh and my, my God. God. It's turned into a Yelp. Yeah. Yeah. So she doesn't really have people she can trust oh. right now. So I don't imagine that even though she should be responding to Sasha's video, she doesn't have the people right now that she can trust to do that. And she's not going to do it herself because she knows she can't. She doesn't actually have the words because mm-hmm. she needs to be fed the words because right now she doesn't know what to say so I literally think it's a staffing issue and apparently like I mean these sorts of things have come up during the filming right now so I think all she's doing is adjusting how filming is happening for the show so she can say like I I just need to come off in a different way and like I gotta leave the social like in the past I can't really address it there who did she say the terrible body shaming stuff of Heather to I'm confused by that I just saw it was like a D it looked like a DM conversation Mm -hmm. between I I couldn't really figure that out. Was it someone I I don't really know. Cause that's insane. If you're saying that to Mm -hmm. a fan or somebody running a fan account, if you're body shaming a cast member and you know that whomever it is, is going to have a vested interest in talking about it. And it obviously got back to Heather. That is like, to me, unwell behavior from a, from someone who's like, does her work in, I don't know. I don't, I don't know tech. I'm too young, but like in the, it's <laughs> the exact opposite if I was young, I don't understand a lot more, but like from the perspective of like, she knows like the search viability or whatever, like she understands online marketing. Why is she so bad at marketing herself? I don't know. I had to look up what a manatee was and what it looked like. And I was just like <laughs> totally thrown by how like you call each other besties or whatever you might be at mm-hmm. least it seemed like that mm-hmm. before the reunion and then you get to the reunion and I felt like uh, the tide had turned for Heather you know I felt like she was not feeling Jen then only to find out the reason why was because she called her a manatee I'm like what kind of friendship is this like this seems so mm-hmm. odd and who says that who calls someone else a manatee she called her Shrek. She called her a this manatee and crazy. Shrek. Crazy. Not in. I cannot imagine a best friend, former friend, anybody. Body. I don't ha- allow people in my life who would 
at the worst, if we were fighting or whatever, use that kind of language and make those kinds of comparisons. It just, it doesn't, that character is so, lo- it's just, it, it is shockingly ugly to me, like spiritually ugly to say those things. And she knows what she's saying when she says them. I just can't imagine it. And it's not the excuse of I was really upset. You should never be saying that about anyone, let alone another woman. Hashtag Women's History Month. You should not ever say that regardless of how you feel. You should never body shame someone and do that in in that way and be so strategically off your kilter that that's not the right. I should be Teresa. That was not the right um, comparison. But like you should know better than to send that to somebody who obviously had a vested interest in distributing it and getting it out. Like that's kooky to me. (laughs) That's the right way to describe her. I mean, we also saw her do this when she met up with Lisa, like after the Vegas trip overall. And she was like, I just feel like people don't understand me. And I think that. Choose this for us very carefully because this is a hot take, but I think she thinks that she can do whatever she wants. And the minute someone meets that boundary of what her actions where they get off with them she's like well that's part of my personality and you don't understand me because I'm a person of color and you're not and I genuinely think that's been able to fly especially probably in Utah for a very long time like that makes sense to me because even when she said it to Lisa she's like because I just get passionate and I yell and things like that and Lisa's and she's like because I had you know reasons and she's like why it's like because racism and lisa's right. like oh right right yes 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 uh-huh. <laughs> because they're not they're in a but this is post 2020 summer where mm-hmm. they're like we're not in a position to tell people how to think and that's very true i would be just as mad if lisa was like well i know some tongan people and i just love all of them i don't treat them di- shut mm-hmm. up it's not nothing to do with you it's not about you but i think that jen's been able to do that for a very long time and like i said before her conversations are now on camera or yeah. now when she's been able to do it, like, like, actually, you know, you can't say that. Actually, you can't do that. Actually, and they go, oh, okay, thanks. Okay, great. I'm not a racist. Yay. And then she is now doing it. And we're like, wait, 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 wait. That's, that's what you've been saying? That's not it. That's right. not good. But and she, that's can so atta- she attaches it all to her personality. Yeah, that's so telling for me. It's like, because as a Black woman, for me, before this past summer, I never felt brave enough to stand up for myself and tell a, a white person to their face that, or some, or justify a behavior, even, you know, anything like that, the Preach. call out, I never felt that support before this summer. So the fact that she felt that she could do that, I'm like, where you, where they do that at? Because I never felt that I could tell someone, oh, don't ask me, can you touch my hair? Don't ask me where I'm from. Don't ask me how, why I speak the way, don't ask me those things. Now I know that I can say that, but before I never felt that I could do that. So where is she getting off thinking that she can do this? Like right. I'm, I'm confused. And she volunteered the information. Right. She was like, sit down with me. Let me tell you about how racist before Utah George is. Floyd. I'm like, so this is just what she's been doing. It's wild. That's mm-hmm. why I was like, she lives in her own world. And because she's married to Kosha, and like you said, she has these black kids in her mind. And I, and a lot of people are like that. They think because their parents are so their best friend or they even adopt black kids. They think they have the authority to speak on their experience. That's my favorite one. Right. Like, oh, I adopted a kid from Haiti. So I know. I know. The Duck Dynasty family. That was my favorite one. Wild. Girl. (laughs) It's insane. I don't know where. It's really weird. Like the way Jen is. Like, I've never come across anyone Mm. like her. 
<laughs> Very strange. Guys, I wish they like, found them in Utah. <laughs> <laughs> get one Seriously. Because we're all looking like not West Palm Beach, not Chicago. Right, Why right. Utah? And I get it. Everybody is kooky. <laughs> Except for Meredith, who is literally the driest person on television. <laughs> have y'all heard the theory that that's why Brooks Marks like, was actively on the, the show? Because he knew his mama couldn't cut it. People like, what if he just knew? <laughs> He's seen all the housewives. I was like, my mama is not going to make it to the second season. So he just, you know, was weirded out by vaginas and out here selling one tracksuit on eight different bodies. That I can't Brooks find. Brooks Marks, if you're listening, Brooks Marks, in honor of Women's History Month, there are four women and also Richie Skye who would really appreciate a tracksuit. And it's 140 something dollars. And I just, I know it's like pre sale, and that's very cool. And the kids love when there's like a sellout and then there's a drop. But mm. I just really think that in honor of Women's History Month and my birthday, that you get five tracksuits delivered to this panel of five, the All Star Five is what I'm going to call us, and that you send it to us pronto. You know what I'm saying? Like a special edition tracksuit. Because I want to wear your name on my shoulders and arms. It's the all kids I want. do love a drop, actually. They do love a drop. As I get younger each year and I, I am discover. Technically, the kids, I am literally on the cusp, depending on what publication you talk to, of millennial. I'm either the last of millennial or the first of Gen Z, depending on what day you look on the internet. And I just participated in a drop before this call. I was oh like, God. PS5, send me the post notifications. And I was <laughs> and I'm just now doing self-reflection, like, wow, it's on pre-sale? Good for him. Like I'm over here very happy for him. That I he's like it. already resold out and have to do like a new, like a like a re-up. Ooh. And the packaging <laughs> looks great. And he for it's like so sad that I've been to his website several times, but like <laughs> Some some of the some of the purchases get like a fun little Polaroid from, but it's like you know you don't know if you're gonna get a Polaroid or not from Fashion Week. Brooks, I want you to send five tracksuits to me so I can wear them and then rewear two for seven days a week, or just send them to everybody on the panel. That would be wonderful, Brooks Marks. If you're listening, I wonder if Brooks Marks <laughs> listens to Housewives related content maybe I think not he is all up in his mom's new fame i really think he's enjoying it <laughs> he's engaging is what you're saying oh he's, he's engaged <laughs> she's disengaged he is fully engaged i mean i am fully engaged in this conversation we didn't get a chance to talk about dallas oh. but prayers i guess <laughs> to dr tiffany i i just bless her heart bless her heart for the rest i mean like what is there to say that hasn't been said when you just look at the rest of the cast and just wonder where it all went wrong. Brandy just like, she triggers something in me. And I think it's um, something from my childhood. She reminds me mm. a lot of, you know, I grew up pretty much predominantly white school. It's like, those mm. are the girls I went to school with. And there's just something about her that really sets me off. And especially mm. this last episode where she was trying to, you know, make people feel sorry for her because she couldn't be herself mm. and, that, and it just didn't understand oh. it because it was like well what is yourself because like uh -huh. why are you scared to talk around tiffany and feel like you can't be yourself you can just because normal people can talk around other people and not feel like what racist things are going to come out of their mouth like i don't understand what you're saying so it was just 
it reminded me a lot. And that's why I'm just like, I, the only reason I would watch this show right now is Tiffany because she is holding her own like on social and in the show. And so it's like the only entertaining part. Otherwise, I just I'm just like this franchise triggers me too too many ways. Also, if you're Brandy, like, why are you saying that out loud? Why don't you unpack? I thought that's why you went to rehab to like work the through these rehab. emotions. Yeah, <laughs> the wellness spa, like, but genuinely, if you were feeling these things, why are you putting that as a form of guilt on the person that you're trying to convince you're not racist to? Like, why are you blaming her for your own emotional reactions to stuff? And why are her friends allowing her to create this very tense and uncomfortable conversation that they themselves then participate in? Like, it was a weird, it, like the othering of it all at those dinners on the episode made me so uncomfortable because people that I would expect to have a small amount of self-reflection, like Stephanie Holman has always come across as somebody who is very empathetic. Why she seems so deeply unempathetic to Dr. Tiffany in the confessionals and in person is wild to me. Why? And the fact that she seems understanding of what Brandy is saying and the ways that it's bad, but she's not willing to say it in the moment. I'm like, where what happened here? Because why are we blaming the woman of color for the bad behavior and things that have happened and also not being as perfect as we are and coming and being both braggy and hypercritical and too bossy and not of at one point critiquing the fact that she's a doctor working during COVID like it's was, really gross there it's was awful a, there was an interesting conversation I had with a friend um who is friends with a Chinese woman and she's mm -hmm. had some just terrible things happen to her and she said you know I'm so over people thinking that Asian people don't have feelings she's mm -hmm. like so many people just think that like we, you know, we get this racism towards us and that we just sort of take it and accept it and we're not supposed to say anything about it. And she's like, you know, even my parents, she's like some of the things where I've reacted to, like they would be mortified the fact that I'm speaking up. And she's like, um, you know, so many things. She's like, she's like also a, a you know, large woman. She's just like, even in my own community, I get it. And so I don't know if it's just this almost also reaction where they also perceive her as like supposed to be submissive in some way mm -hmm. because she's Asian. And so the fact mm -hmm. that she, it, cause I, I wonder if she was a black woman on the show, if they would be reacting that way is I guess what I'm saying versus like, she's an Asian woman who is speaking up for herself. And now they are like, they don't know how to handle it because they're, they have this expectation of her. I don't know such an interesting point that I have I've been had. ready to pop the bubble around Stephanie Holman for a while but I'll save that for another day yeah I think Stephanie's completely irrational when it comes to Brandy so I just that's yeah. that's just it for me mm -hmm. I also think that you can be a very lovely nice polite racist I think it's very possible mm -hmm. and I lived in Dallas for a few years of my formative years of middle school it's very possible they're good at it actually they're real good at it. I think that what triggered, what, what made everyone think otherwise 
is that Leanne was an impolite mm-hmm. racist. And they mm-hmm. were like, we don't do that, Leanne. We're, yeah. we're calmer. And the reason why I think that is because Stephanie's response to Andy was, well, she's gotten good edits in the past. So we just didn't think it was going to make it to air. I'm like, so you were complicit and okay with it until it just aired like i'm confused like so you didn't have an issue with it until that happened and so Mm -hmm. i think that stephanie is a very great voice of reason and she is a very lovely you know empathetic and heartfelt genuinely good friend when the group of friends are all white women and that's what we've seen thus far she's wanted to hear out Leanne she's always wanted to be there for her she wanted to understand Deandra because those are people that she considers peers and contemporaries they have a very serious problem with Dr. Tiffany Moon a being a doctor then also having money they're very upset with how rich she is and how it compares to them like very bothered that she is a peer of theirs like that is bothersome and it's very reminiscent of Leanne and her feelings towards Carrie. Cause I used to always say then there was plenty of things to attack Carrie over <laughs> plenty. None of them had to deal with her nationality. So you going to that is because you feel like that's the only way that she is inferior to you. And I think the same thing is happening with Dr. Moon. They're just nice about it. They're like, I cannot, they're very upset and I do not get it. Cause she's literally minding her business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's not doing anything. Mm-hmm. And it feels like, you can be a polite racist and they're very uncomfortable with being around her because they feel like they cannot be themselves. Then that shows who you are. If you feel like you cannot be yourself around a person that is not the same nationality or skin complexion or race as you, it's because you are uncomfortable with that race, which as a group of people that legitimately makes you a racist. You somehow feel like you can't be in the same room with someone unless you are talking about them or making jokes about them where what are you talking about i think brandy needs to go back to racist rehab and she needs to have a conversation with herself i'm very glad she's no longer on the television screen but i think this is probably close to the end of dallas because if their only other option is no more integration we have a problem I mean, there's that's all that's there. That's all there's. <laughs> that's all. That's all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's what we're gonna end on, you guys. What? What an upper! Shout out to Texas. I'm so sorry for everything that's happening to you from the mask to dealing with this being your franchise state. That's Poor gotta Texas be tough. People. You guys are going through a lot, so, so we're sending our love to you because it's. Probably going to be an extra tough couple of weeks with the episodes to come and also the pandemic and whatnot. Guys, can you tell the AGs how to follow you, albeit your pods, your YouTubes, your ticks, your talks, starting with uh, Moni? Tell us how to mix with you accordingly online. I promise I don't talk this much on my own show. That's a lie. I talk probably way more, <laughs> depending on who's on. Listen, me and Sasha get on there. I got to cut that thing oh, in yeah. half at the time. <laughs> um, you can find me on all the things, especially right after you, you know, rate and love on this episode and this show. Listen to me in the same place by searching Mixing with Moni and on all the socials and all the things at Mixing with Moni, M-I-X-I-N-G-W-I-T-H-M-A-N-I. Love, Sasha. I'm at the Bravo Breakdown on Instagram. You can find me on Patreon slash the Bravo Breakdown. Oh. 
And um, who did you just sign with? I forgot. It was that Is other company. Oh, what my was gosh. It? What was it? I think oh it was somebody's agent. I think there was a deal head. A deal was made. <laughs> it was just announced. It changed your Instagram bio. Tell oh the Oh, my gosh. Yes, I have joined the Embassy Row family. Uh, we make what joyful. We make joyful content over there. So yeah. you know. what did what did they do? Can you what talk, are they what, responsible what, for? What are, they, yeah. what are they known for? They are known for Watch What Happens Live. Oh, they are known for the Bravo chat room. Okay. Oh. Yes. Million, not millionaire. What? Millionaire who wants to be a millionaire? Some other little shows. Oh, okay. Oh. And awesome. now the Bravo breakdown. And now the Bravo and breakdown. And now the Bravo breakdown. You about to be the first bullet point, honey. <laughs> Love. Yes. That's incredible. And guys, also support AG. Support all the Patreons, okay? Because that's the number one way yes. to support your favorite contact creators. Con- contact words. What? <laughs> <laughs> all right, creators. I know ingredients. Uh, Kiki, let the let the folks know where you're at. Um, you can find me at um, TikTok or on um, Instagram at the Talk of Shame. The TikToks are where it is at. Yeah, for real, one hundred and sixty thousand mm-hmm. followers. Yeah, she no big did. Deal. Absolutely, call out Catherine Dennis for drinking mint juleps over grave sides of slaves. Yes, she did. <laughs> oh my God. And Richie Sky, his five star YouTube and everything else is magical <laughs> and winning in all of our lives. Tell us about it. Everything is DJ Richie Sky at DJ Richie Sky on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube mostly amazing and guys listen as i may have mentioned once or twice it's the month of my birthday march 27th (laughs) you you might have thought christmas was a big day but for this jew march 27th is where it's at (laughs) when the creator was born so exciting announcement for the month of march i'm going to be rolling out some of sarah's favorite things that's right giveaways on instagram highlighting are my some of my favorite small businesses, all of whom have a Bravo spin. So from some Bravo celebrities themselves to Bravo content creators, go to my Instagram page. There's going to be the first of several giveaways this month at Dame Galley on Instagram. Thanks to my friend Shop So Messy, who is one of my favorite Bravo Etsy shops who makes, I'm looking at them now, I have, it's like literal works of art, representations of some of your absolute favorite and or infamous housewives painted as Elizabethan Renaissance Victorian women on a plate that you put on your wall. It is, they're like literally stunning, gorgeous, amaze. So thanks to Shop So Messy, we will be doing a giveaway with one of those perfect plates on my Instagram. So check that out at Dame Galley to enter. It's going to be um, a crazy month of giveaways. And I'm so excited about that. And so excited about a new premium level on the uh, Andy's Girls Patreon, the People's People's Couch. If you want to guest on an upcoming episode of the Andy's Girls Patreon and be a guest co-host and or tell me what to talk about and I'll talk about it. Go to patreon.com slash Andy's girls. It's the number one way to say happy birthday to me and here's some money, money, please hashtag more. And I would so appreciate it. And guys, I so appreciate all of you. This was magical. Oh my yes. God. Thank, Thank you, you for all having for- us. So much I love talking about racism on a Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing better. Nothing better.
Nothing better. Nothing better to end the week. What an offer for the weekend. Well, I'm so appreciative to all of you for joining. And guys, if you are anywhere in this world, I hope you are double masking, able to get an appointment time for the vaccine, whichever you are, and staying safe, uh, number one. And um, number two, joining our Patreons. Absolutely, 100%. Guys, a joy, a pleasure. Thank you, thank you. And I look forward to another one of these um, special panel apps. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, guys. Thank you. Everyone at home, have a good week. Bye.